Today we are going to be talking about being consistent. And this is not an easy topic. This is things that we all um, struggle with. And we try to find a breakthrough. We try to work it out in so many ways. And sometimes it seems like it's a giant before us. And Watchman Nee says that min, um, maturity is mastering the basics. And one of the basics of spiritual maturity is being consistent. But so many of us struggle trying to be consistent. So let's see what are the expressions of being inconsistent first. James 1.8 says this, Being undecided makes you become like the rough seas, driven and tossed by the wind. You're up one minute and tossed down the next. When you are half-hearted and wavering, it leaves you unstable. Can you really expect to receive anything from the Lord in this condition? In another version, it says, For being as he is a man of two minds, he is unstable, unreliable, uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. So inconsistencies, when you're inconsistent, we have these characteristics. We are undecided, one minute up, next minute down. Half-hearted, we are wavering, we are unstable, we are undouble-minded, hesitating, unreliable, uncertain, and we cannot receive anything from the Lord. So many of us, when I say us, it includes me. Okay, go through times and seasons when we become very inconsistent. But praise be to God, the word of God gives us clear direction how to bring change in that area and how to have victory in that particular area of our life. So how can we be consistent? Point number one, have a clear picture of what and why we do it. Have a clear picture. That means have a clear understanding of why you want to do it, what you want to do, and why we do it. Do you and I have a clear picture of what our goal is? It's like if you want to lose weight. What are the things you need to do to reach there? Why and why do you want to lose weight? Because it keeps us healthy. It keeps us energized. We want to fulfill the purposes of God. Otherwise, we keep changing it. If we don't have a clear picture of where we want to go, we will be like that lalang. One minute, it'll be this. After a few months, it'll be something else. After a few months, it'll be something else. We are not consistent. So when we have a clear picture of what and why we do it, we can become very consistent. Jesus had a very clear purpose why he came to this earth. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So if God is consistent in his character, 
we can be consistent. Because why? We are created in His image. And when we are created in His image, He empowers us. He gives us the, the strength. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit within us to do what seems like a huge mountain to us. So in Hebrews 13.8, it clearly says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So He is our greatest role model of being consistent of following through with things. Second point is, one thing, not many things. That means, focus on one thing. You know, an octopus, you know, like, a, I don't know what's the Malay word for octopus. Like, it's got many tentacles. Yeah, what is it called? Sotong. No, sotong is, this is octopus. It's got many, many tentacles. So sometimes we are like that octopus. We have our hands in so many things. And today the Lord is really calling us to identify one thing so that you can become consistent and stick to it. As I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit will be nudging you and saying, Hey, this one thing I'm speaking to you, focus on that one thing. Sometimes we have a tendency to make unrealistic goals. We make too many plans. I want to do this. I want to grow in my quiet time. I want to do ministry. I want to be the best guitarist. I want to be the best drummer. I want to be a preacher. I want to serve in the women's ministry. Too many things. And then what happens? We quit. Why? Because it's too many things. We are not realistic with our goals. We are not realistic with what we can achieve with the power of God. So the Lord is challenging us as I'm speaking. The Holy Spirit is saying to you, pick one thing. One thing that the Spirit of God is speaking to you about being consistent. That you will do it over and over and over again till it becomes a habit till it becomes part of your life, till it becomes a lifestyle in you, whether it's your prayer life, your worship life, whether it's your tongue, you want to speak affirming words, whether it's you want to encourage, be an encourager because you find yourself always being negative, you want to change that. What is that one thing that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? Pick that one thing and stick to it no matter what. Let it go deep and have its roots. Build a strong foundation, not just touch and go. It must grow deep for something to grow, for something to become part of our life. It must have strong roots, a strong foundation. It cannot be shallow. It cannot be shaky. It cannot be earned just doing it one time. We have to do it over and over and over again through the power of God's Spirit till it becomes life-giving to us that others look at us and they'll say, I want that one thing that this brother has. I want that one thing that Sharina has. I want that one thing that Pramila has. So what is that one thing that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now? Give heed to that. Not many things, but one thing. 
and just stick to that one thing. Psalms 27, verse 4 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David knew that one thing. What was that one thing? What do you think that one thing was in David's life that enabled him to finish that race in spite of the challenges? What's that one thing in David? Worship. No matter what happened to him, battles, Saul was attacking him. His life was in danger. He was depressed. He was discouraged. He sinned against God. But he never negotiated that worship because that's that one thing that was life-giving to him. That he stuck it. He reached deep into that place of worship and began to say, God, even through these hard times, I will not give up. So what is that one thing? Like worship, it could be prayer. It could be intercession. It could be finishing something that you started that you didn't finish. So ask the Lord, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. What is that one thing? Just like David did. Sam and I are full-time missionaries and we have many, many ministry engagements. But one thing we don't negotiate or our priority is our time with God and with each other. It's so easy for us when we are in full-time ministry of your pastor and you're always serving the Lord to think, I'm okay. You know what? I'm okay. I preach. I pray. I serve God. I prophesy. I'm doing all these great, mighty things for the Lord. But I tell you, it can, we can so easily slip into deception in that place. So easily. And that's why to have that one-on-one -on -one time with God, that quiet time with God, that time of intimacy with God is so important. It's non-negotiable. Nothing no matter how busy we are, no matter what we do, that time with God, that time with each other is very, very key. And we keep that always before us. It's very, very important. We can get so busy with it that sometimes we think we don't even have time for God and for one another. Is the Lord challenging you in this area? Are you so busy with your work are you so busy in fulfilling your career, in fulfilling your ambition? Are you so busy being the breadwinner in your family that you don't even have time for God? You don't even have time for your family. Today, the Lord is challenging us in this area. What has taken His place? What has taken the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life? Has your work become your idol? Pleasing your family, has that become an idol? Jesus must be first in our lives above everything else. When you and I put him in the highest place in our lives and obey him, he will take care of the rest of the things. It's so key and so vital to do that. 
I've shared this story before in 2010, but I'm going to share it because it's such a significant uh, turning point in my life. In 2010, I had breast cancer and I was in stage three going into stage four. And I went through chemotherapy, radiation, I had surgeries, and I was flat out on my bed. No ministry, no counseling, no prayer, no nothing. Just the bed and me and my wonderful husband serving me and taking care of me. And it was during that time when I was in my bed in pain and feeling miserable and saying, God, why don't you heal me? I've served you so faithfully. Why, why, why this? Why now? And the Lord said, because I want your attention. I'm not the cause of that cancer, but I'm using that place of suffering, that I'm using that place where you are alone so that you can listen to me. I'm like, God, what's this all about? I think I'm okay. I've been serving you. And the Lord said, yes, you've been serving me, but I'm not in the picture. You are worshipping me, but I'm not in the picture. You know, we can do many great things for God without the presence of God, without Jesus being right in the center. It can look good. It can look great. It's empty. Tin kosong. It's a shell. It's hollow. And that's what God was speaking to me. He began to speak to me about my walk with him. That I was serving him, praying, leading, prophesying, encouraging people without his presence. Without his presence. We can do church even today without the presence of God. It can look so good on the outside. But today God is challenging us as GMC to not only place him in the highest place of our lives but to raise up the bar in our lives to say, Jesus, I will not negotiate. I will not give up. I will not stop. I will allow you. Reshmi prayed that powerful prayer. It might be hard, but we cannot give up. I will allow you to work in my life, Lord. And he spoke to me about my ministry. He spoke to me about my marriage. He spoke to me about the way I minister to people. He spoke to me about my children. It was like a little refining fire falling over me. We think revival is going to some great conference and hearing this powerful, awesome worship songs and a great speaker comes, he gives you a prophetic word and it's done. That is not revival. Revival is when you encounter God one-on-one, -on -one, eye to eye. Your heart is transparent. You are honest. You are bare. You are open. There is no protective shield around you. There are no walls. And you are real. He knows your thought. He knows your words. He knows what you did yesterday. He knows what you have, even before you're going to say it, he knows it. That's the kind of God you and I serve. And he wants to come to that place of intimacy where you feel his breath over you. You will know when you walk with him in that place of closeness. And he's calling us to that place of intimacy with him. And it was during that time that I learned this powerful lesson of not negotiating my time with God. He must come first. Even if you don't do any ministry, 
But your time with me, Jennifer, is so important. Everything will crash. We might seem like we're going up very successful in our work, our business, but it will crash. It will fall down after some time because the foundation of Jesus, the foundation of His Word, the foundation of prayer, the foundation of worship, the simple mastering the basics of an area in your life that's always defeated, where you cannot find victory. Those are the things that makes us strong. That is a point of revival. That is a point of change. That is a point of victory. It's not in the show. It's not in these bright lights. It's in the secret place with God. And today, He's calling you by name. He's calling you by name. Prabhu, He's calling you by name. He's calling you by name. He is calling you by name to a higher place of connecting with him. Out of sight is out of mind, and out of sight is out of control. So you must always have that one thing before you. Because if it's out of your sight, it'll be out of your mind. And then when it's out of your sight, it's also out of control. It's not just going to drop from heaven. Somebody praying over you, boom, you become consistent. No such thing. You and I hold the power, the key to make things happen. We need to stop giving excuses. We are very good. I'm very good. We easily justify. We can come up with great things to say why we didn't do it. And that's why I want to challenge us as a church, as young people, write things down. This is auntie's little white book. I carry it with me everywhere. Everywhere. During worship, I'll get a word for somebody, I write it down. Write down evaluations, whatever. You notice sometimes when you're worshipping, sometimes you'll think, oh, my son, I'm so worried. Write it down so you won't forget very, very key. It's so simple. It's so simple. Write it down. Whatever area you want to be consistent in, whether prayer, worship, whatever it is, it's so important to make time for it. We need to make time for the things that we feel are key for us. We need to create time. We need to schedule it. We need to put it on our calendar. We need to recognize this is a priority. We cannot just think, oh, that's a great idea, I'll do it. And you will never do it if it's not the one thing that your heart is chasing after. You will not do it. You'll be wishy-washy. So write down that one thing and then begin to schedule it. We schedule our work, we schedule our appointments, we schedule meeting friends to go in Lepa to have ice kacang. But do we schedule the one thing that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about and making that a priority? It doesn't even have to be a spiritual thing. It can be as simple as, I want to be consistent to serve my wife when I come home. 
even if I'm tired. I want to be consistent in the area of uh, bringing encouragement to people. I find I'm always saying negative words, even in my jokes. I'm being very negative. I want to change that. So God help me to be consistent, to affirm people, to encourage them, to see strength in them, to see potential in them. I'm tired of gossiping. I'm tired of speaking behind people's back. I want to change that. That is what being consistent is about. Actually taking action and doing something, applying it. Not just hearers, but applying it. And that's how you see change. If you think I'm here and I just, somebody prayed over me and so I can preach and pray or whatever, no. It took work, it took discipline, it took commitment, it took a lot of breaking, it took hunger, it took humility, it took crawling sometimes before God and saying, I cannot do this anymore, I'm tired, I give up. We cannot come and just sit down here and warm the pews. We are not called for that. We have a destiny as GMC. If you say you are part of this family, today God is raising the bar because He knows your potential. He knows your potential. You are not weak. You do not have a victim mentality because somebody did something to me. I cannot. Yes, you can. Your past does not determine your future because the blood of Jesus has covered it. But you need to walk that out. You need to walk that out. Find that one thing. If anything at all you remember today, it's that one thing. It costs us to serve him. Luke 14, 28. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Count the cost of making this priority. So if, say, prayer is your priority, then something else has to give. You look at your calendar, you full. Calendar full, no time. But we have time to text. We have time to watch Netflix. I know because I love Netflix. We have time to chat with our friends. We have time to go shopping. We have time to pick up the phone and have a long conversation with our friends. Do you see what I'm saying? Something has to be cut off for something else to be birthed in you. It costs you. It costs you. Maybe you need to give up your TV show. Maybe I need to give up my Korean drama series that I absolutely love. What is it? We smile, but I'll tell you, this is discipleship. This is growing in God. Journey with God, to be disciples of God, it is not easy. It's not kachang pute. But God promises the power of His Spirit to come and flow through us to help us in our time of need. We also need to be accountable. Why? Find someone, not your friend, because your friend will kasihan you and say, okay, la, okay, never mind. Find someone mature and make yourself accountable for that one area you want to change. If you're serious today about wanting to be consistent 
and wanting to change that one area that you want to conquer so that it becomes part of your lifestyle, it becomes good. Find someone to be accountable to. Without accountability, you will not finish that race. I'll tell you that. It's so easy to get derailed. It's so easy to waver. It's so easy to push it aside. So easy to put it on the back burner. Who are you and I accountable to? Who is speaking into our lives? Tell me. Who is speaking into your life? Jesus is there. Great. He can speak. But you know, life brings many challenges to us. And sometimes we are as blind as a bat. We cannot see our own deception. We cannot see our own weakness. Find somebody, you guys. I hope there's one person here, at least, who will find somebody and say, speak into my life. This is an area I want to change. I want to conquer. I want to find victory in. Speak into my life. And when you struggle to bring that change, when you struggle to be consistent in that area, call the person. That's what that person is there for, to encourage you, to pray for you, to support you, and say you can do it. So who is your accountability? Is there somebody? In our culture here, we are not used to that. We are takut, afraid to show who we truly are. But Jesus says, I don't expect perfection from you. Come as you are to me. Be vulnerable. Be real. Remove the mask. Remove the facade. Remove the pretense. Today, the Holy Spirit is speaking some very significant things to you. It is time. It is time to allow, to open that door. And say, speak into my life. I need change in this area. Dinesh, God wants to use you powerfully through your words. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. Today, God is anointing your tongue. Literally, the vessel of speaking, of communication, of being articulate but also drawing out the potential in people. He's going to give you the eyes and the words to speak that will bring not just encouragement, hope, but release people to be who God has called them to be. There's power in your words. Weigh your words. I really believe, I've been speaking to you for I think a few days ago, I said, Dinesh, there's something about your tongue. When God looks at you, He's looking at your potential and saying, I want to use your tongue to bring life, to bring hope to your worship team, to your peers, to the people at your workplace. You have so much to give, to encourage, to build, to tear down all patterns of negativity and begin to lay foundations of truth, of affirmation, of building, of strengthening, of restoring, of renewing. That's where God is calling you. That's where, that area of the tongue. Because He sees the power there is over your tongue. He delights to bless you 
Be in agreement. Be in alignment with what God's giving you and calling you to. Brother Kumar, here you see. I believe God's stretching you. Stretching your faith. You have so much to give to the kingdom of God. But this place of stretching, it's a good place. It's a good place where God takes off things that doesn't belong to his kingdom and he begins to build into you things that are his. If you can climb up that Mount Everest, that same God that enabled you has put that kind of capacity and power and gifting and anointing and strength in you to do great things for God. At your workplace, even here in church, he's taking you out of your comfort zone. There's a place of great encouragement that he wants to bring to you because he loves you and he's not going to let you settle because there's more for you. Seek him. Say, God, what is that one thing you want to stretch? What is that one thing, God? Doesn't it can be very simple. It could be something God has been speaking over a period of time already to you. It's not something, whoa, something new. Something already has been in there that's neglected, that's left alone. Trust God, not your feelings. We live in a culture where we depend on our feelings. Today I feel good. Today I don't feel good. Today I feel like coming to church. I don't care. I'm not coming. Today I'm just tired. Feelings. Whenever we are trying to be consistent in something that God is doing in our life, you'll hear this voice saying to you, I don't feel like doing it. I give up. It really is our flesh trying to get its own way. And we need to learn to crucify our flesh. Tell your flesh to shut up. When you hear that voice, just say, shut up. Shut up. I'm in charge. Not the flesh in charge of us. I'm in charge to the power of Christ. How many of us, how will we just go off track? And ask God for help. God, help me to read your word. Okay, today I read, I don't understand Old Testament, so boring. God, help me. Find somebody to teach you the word. Google, there's so many resources. Sometimes we have been consistent in a certain area and you know it's come to an end. Then you can close that chapter. But if you sense deeply an area that Holy Spirit is speaking, then don't quit. You need to keep moving in that area. You need to keep working through in that area. So what if you have failed halfway while you're doing it? Don't just quit. Get up and start running. Get up. Remember that Failure is the doorway to wisdom. So embrace the failures. Failures has something to teach us, something to build into us, 
something to keep us humble, something to keep us tender in our heart before God. Failures are good. They are not what pulls us back. It launches us forward. So get up and plug in. Don't quit halfway. Even if you're hurt, if you have to crawl, you crawl. But who is crawling with you? Not your willpower. It's the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of you that will help you finish that race. Some of us need to stop lying. I'll be bold enough to say that. You, auntie, in churches, we all are Christians, auntie. I am sorry, I'll tell you that. I've lied. I've exaggerated before. I have. But you come back before God. Humble yourself. Make it right. Not only with God, but to the persons you have lied We need to get moving. Don't quit. I know at least there are two or three people here who just have come to the end of your rope, just tired. And the word today to you is don't quit. Don't give up. Don't just throw your, the towel in and say, God, I cannot. You can because Christ loves you. He will enable you. He'll enable you to be successful. He will enable you to study hard. He will enable you, if you want to lose weight, to lose weight. He'll enable you to have good prayer, quiet times, worship times. He will enable you to ask forgiveness. He will enable you to say, I'm sorry. He will enable you to be humble. We just had a retreat recently our youth uh, worship team retreat. I did a teaching on honoring parents. And one of the challenges I put before them, as, we, as we, I finished sharing, was to ask the Lord to show you areas of disobedience to your parents, whatever those areas are. List them down as the Holy Spirit convicts you. Then I told them, write out a card of gratitude to you, towards your parents. I don't know how many of you actually gave those cards to your parents. How many people followed through? You don't do it because you want to please me, but because it's an area you need to follow through. We can have 10,000 retreats, but it means nothing until you and I put the key and say, okay, God, I'm in line with you. I will humble myself and I'll go make it right. What's the point of coming Sunday after Sunday and making us feel good and listening to messages that tickles us or makes us feel good and we go home and out goes the sermon, out goes everything and we are back to square one. Today, God is not letting you to go back to square one. He's saying, take care of that one area. Take care of it. Take care of it. It's the Holy Spirit. If you are convicted, it's good. It's good. That means you're listening 
to the Lord and you're saying yes to Him. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight and understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize Him. And He will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. So it's so important to just trust God, not your feelings. Very important. This is my last point, then I'm done. I can tell that this side here, they are very happy because at the youth retreat, <laughs> after I preached, like almost, it was like three hours, the whole process. Like maybe I took one hour to preach. Stephen, auntie took one hour? Or what? Ah, about? Ah, one hour? More than an hour. <laughs> so I decided, let me keep my message short and to the point, okay? Be committed, not just involved. This story I churi from my husband, actually. It's his, so I must give credit to where that credit goes, okay? I think I've shared the story before, the story of the pig and the chicken. You, you guys know that story? You remember or not? Ashwin, don't nod your head. You really have heard the story or not before? Huh? You've heard that? Uh? I've told before. Good, you're listening. So when you go to the a restaurant, you go to the buffet section, huh? There's a whole section where you'll find pork, uh, like bacon, sausages, everything related to, you know, the, the pig. Huh? Then the other section, you'll see the whole section, eggs, omelette, fried eggs, boiled eggs, you know, all kinds of things that they do with the eggs. So when you think of the chicken, what did the chicken do? Just laid the egg. It just laid the egg. But what did the pig do for you to eat bacon, to eat those great sausages? It gave his life. It died for the bacon to be there for you to eat. Similarly, in our own lives, God's asking, are you just involved or are you committed? Are you just involved? Okay. I'll just come, do my little thing. Don't make me ask me to do anything more. I'll just do my little thing and I'll go off. Committed people serve even when it is inconvenient. Remember that. There's a difference between committed people and involved people. You want to see growth in your personal life? Be committed. You will never move forward just by doing endless ministry or going here, there. Be committed to that one thing. I'm going back again to that one thing. Be committed. Don't just be involved. When I see in this church, I look at commitment, I think of Joel and Deborah. Even when it's inconvenient, it's so easy for Joel to say, Deborah and the two kids, you all stay back la Friday, no need to come very late. Are your kids, you all have homework and troubling, running around kids, all no need. I have seen them bring those kids. I've seen Joel bring, carrying Timothy and the little girl. And sometimes Zebra is not even there. But he's here every Friday. Some of you might say, oh, he's LCC chairman, he has to be here. Lah. 
I think there's a depth of commitment to the purposes, the dreams of God for GMC. He didn't pay me to say this. I watch people. That's commitment. Sudan, Sonia. They are here. Sudan comes for every Friday practice. Sunday morning, he's here. That's commitment, you guys. Not just involvement. Committed people are like oak trees, not lalang. Oak trees, live oak trees are known to grow between 40 and 80 feet tall. This oak tree can withstand incredible strong storms like tornadoes and hurricanes. Even when they are stripped of their leaves, oak trees survive because of their strength, their curvy branches and their incredible root system. Are you a lalang or oak tree? You are an oak tree. You sure? You are oak tree. Good. Believe that. We are in God shaping you, Shalom, to become that oak tree. I was never an oak tree before when I was your age. I was definitely a lalang. Big time lalang. No spine, no guts to stand for the principles of God. Yet God believed in me. He did not give up. God believes in us when we mess up, when we throw tantrums, when we disobey, when we turn our back. He is the most committed person to us. Even when you be, are so messed up, He's committed to us. Today He's saying, I want to build and raise up oak trees in GMC. Jane, you are an oak tree. You are an oak tree. I've never seen that kind of commitment, level of commitment. She holds two positions in the LCC. Evangelism, and she's the secretary. Uh, evangelism and membership, and she's also the secretary. She has a full-time job, a family to take care, and then she does a lot of things you and I don't know. We just come on a Sunday, we sit under this aircon, and we go home behind the scenes. She is an oak tree. Her roots are deep in God's word, in God's character. I deeply respect, I see the strength in her. We need to aspire when we look our elders to, our, to be like them, the qualities that they have in them. Involved people have no staying power. They quit when it's tough. They quit when it's tough. There's some of us sitting here, God saying, I am challenging you to a higher level of commitment to the purposes of God. You have started things, but you have not finished it. Committed people are not just starters, but they're finishers. Many people can start things. I want to do this, I want to do that, but finishers. Committed people take ownership. They sacrifice and are willing to pay the price. It does not matter 
to those who are committed, who gets the credit. Their kingdom-minded mentality. doesn't matter. You do all those who are committed, they'll just do it. They see a need, they step in, they do it. Doesn't matter if my name is not mentioned. Doesn't matter whether it's put in the bulletin. Doesn't matter whether I'm acknowledged or not. That's commitment. That's commitment. Involve people. They don't want to put in the hard work, but want the recognition. That's the difference. Where are you and I? Where are our hearts when we are serving God? Do we serve Him for recognition? Do we serve Him so we get a pat on our shoulder? Do we serve Him so somebody says, Wow, you did a great thing. Or are we serving Him because Jesus is before us. He paid a price. He gave us His life. So I'm serving you, God, because you gave me something. I want to serve you, not man. Where is Sharwin and Shawin? The two brothers and Steve. I've seen these two brothers come early, set up everything. I've seen them mop the floors outside when the AC is leaking. leaking. Nobody told them to do it. It's leaking, we will do Come early, they set up. They're behind the scenes. Our worship team can only do what they do because of these people that are committed. Stephen, the media, we see such beautiful things come up there. Makes it easy. It makes worship so easy. But there are people that are behind the scenes who are committed, who come in day in, day out to serve, to give. Maybe they're not recognized, but God sees our small acts. Every small act is a place where you strengthen and increase in your commitment to God. I know there are many other committed people, but I just felt in my heart, I've seen these dear brothers, they just, they are just there to serve. Just really appreciate their commitment. Many people think, oh, Sam and I are from America. Oh, they have just come here. Very easy life. It took me two years to process our move from the States to Malaysia. I have a beautiful home. I have two sons that are married, daughter-in-law. Got a granddaughter now. You think it was easy to make that move? I was very much involved in my church ministry, in YWAM, peak of my ministry. Friends, a good life. But is that what this is all about? A walk with God, a good life, to have a good children who are educated, to get a name or status? Is that what Christianity and walking with Jesus is all about? There's a price, there's a cost. It costs me. It costs me days where Sam would say, are you, okay, are you ready to make that shift? No, I'm not. Struggle, tension, because commitment requires that kind of push, that kind of a process. It's not easy. 
Some of you today have to make some clear decisions. Don't leave that door today without making that clear decision to be consistent, to follow through with your commitment. Do not be that lalang that wavers. My husband was so committed to the call to Asia. He did not waver. I would be crying sometimes, saying, no, I don't want to go. So hot in Malaysia, I don't want to go there. I'm so happy here. Why are you pushing me, Sam? Look at the ministry. Look how things are growing. He did not waver. Who are you submitting to? Whose voice are you listening to? In your home, are you the spiritual leader, the man of the house that sets the tone and the direction in your house? Or do we succumb? Do we succumb to the pressure of our family? It is so easy for Sam to say to me, okay, forget it if you're not happy. But he waited and it took me two years on. The Holy Spirit would just speak and speak and speak to me. There would be days where I didn't even talk to Sam. Upset. Very upset. It was hard. What is God calling you to commit to? What is it? Don't run away from it. Face it. Face it. God will help you. I'm standing here today because of his commitment. You can make that shift today because Jesus is standing right next to you. You might feel like you are the most loneliest person. Nobody understands me. Make that shift today. Jesus is standing right next to you. Don't give something to God that it doesn't cost you. David, it cost him. Does it cost you something when you put an offering or when you do something? What is it? God wants to give us a story. Sharina, I believe you're going to be a powerful woman of God. God's already using you in worship. How you will share and you will teach from this place of understanding, commitment, understanding, sacrifice. He will use your words to minister and to encourage people. Because it's in you. He's developing that oak tree in you. Run with him. Align yourself with him and you will see the breakthrough.